sugar man, won't you hurry? Cause I'm tired of these scenes. For a blue coin, won't you bring back all those colors to my dreams? If ever there is an air of intrigue and mystery around a pop artist, it is around the artist known as Rodriguez. We thought he was like the inner city poet. He was this wandering spirit around the city. He's like a wise man, a prophet. How many records do you think he sold in America? In America, six. Born in a troubled city. Well, it's still a bit of a mystery how the first copy of Cold Fact actually came to South Africa, but it spread very quickly. To many of us South Africans, he was the soundtrack to our lives. Everybody I knew had his records. The message it had was be anti-establishment. Really, the first opposition to apartheid, they'll tell you that they were influenced by Rodriguez. But nobody knew anything about him. He was a mystery. Then we found out that he had committed suicide. And a lot of people have different versions of the story. He set himself alight on stage. He reached down and pulled up a gun. I thought it'd make a good story. Find out how Rodriguez died. There was nothing on the record to tell us who he was or where he was from. So we started looking quite deeply at the lyrics. I met a girl in Dearborn. We found him, we found him. These are the days of miracles and wonder. I heard he did a, like a little construction work. He was really doing the work that no one else wanted to do. Rich in a lot of things, but perhaps not material things. I said, in South Africa, you are more popular than Elvis Presley. Next day, he says, uh, Emerson, I got to go on tour. I said, why is that, Rodriguez? This is really going to be Rodriguez. We'll only know if we can actually sing these songs. And the best part, I still to come. Thanks for keeping me alive. <laughs> And you're with Janine Preston of Life is a Beach. And today I'm actually with Rodriguez, it being Rodriguez month and Rodriguez passed away. It was quite sad because I had tried to interview him earlier this year, but sadly he'd had a stroke. I reached out to um, Stephen Siegerman, who had originally uh, was involved with the Finding Sugarman movie. And he said, I'd love to put you in touch, but he has had a stroke. And that was so sad. And I waited with bated breath for time to interview him, but he didn't recover and he he passed away as a result. But in the meantime, I did get to and still enjoy his music, still enjoy the Finding Sugarman, because I went and watched the movie, um, which was quite cool, actually. And I reached out to Stephen, who's known as Sugar. And I have with him, he's here with me on um, the call and on video. And I just wanted to just reach out and find out more about who Sugar and how did you get involved with Rodriguez and how do you feel now? Hi, hi, Sugar. Hi, Janine. Um, thanks for having me on your on your on your show. Um, there's been a lot of the last two weeks have been crazy. I actually just left for London three days after Rodriguez passed away. Quietly and reflect on what had happened because it's been such a long wild crazy ride these last 10 20 years since this whole thing happened and um strangely enough on the plane i got i got uh hit on by a couple of rodriguez fans oh who recognized word, really? me all <gasps> no. conversations on the people a guy, a guy walked past me and said I, I know who you are you the guy for blah 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 
it happened a few times. So I didn't really get the the detachment that I really wanted. But for me, I mean, I've always Rodriguez and I have been linked even before I got to meet him because we all had cold facts and and my surname Siegerman was always mispronounced as Sugarman, which was a much more common surname <laughs> in Johannesburg. And oh, then the weird. song came out and everyone started singing, woke up and go, Sugarman, Sugarman. And then I moved into a commune in Parktown, one of these um, Herbert Baker houses with uh, 20 rooms, and there were like nine people living in it. Oh, my word. And there, was, there were three Stevens. And the first night, all of us sat around the table. The one guy whose name was Steven said, we can't all have, we can't have three Stevens, too confusing. So... He said, I'll be swear. He said, his name was Steve Swirsky. He said, I'll be swears. You'll be Hugo and you'll be sugar. And literally <laughs> from that day onwards, the name everyone stuck. called me sugar. Yeah, it's just, I always was. And that was 20 years before this, the, the events of searching for Sugar Man happened. So I, it's just, it's really, really been a crazy experience. And I tell the story often. And I, I even every time when I'm telling it, I just, this is really, this is so ridiculous. It's crazy. And I mean, I'm a huge rock fan. I love rock music, all the stories, etc. And I never realized I'd end up being involved in probably what is the craziest story of all, because it links the two eras, you know, from Rodriguez, the album came out in 72. And then this all happened now. And I mean, the first half of his life was horrible. And the second half of his life was wonderful. I mean, he was unknown. And, and just judging from the response that I've had, just me from from when he passed away is extraordinary. From around the world, people, everybody knows this man. Everybody knows his music. Many people have seen the film. It's been on Netflix. So he was 81 when he passed, and uh, he'd been in poor health for a while, as you said. He'd had a stroke, but and he was blind because he had glaucoma for many years. Oh no, weird. I like to think that that his life ended off a hell of a lot better than how it started. He got paid all the money he was ripped off from initially. He got all it sorted out. He gave his, his his adoring family, his children, what they deserved. It was a happy ending of a of a of what wasn't always a happy story. So I miss him, um, but it's been a wonderful story and. Um, They'll live on forever in our memories and our hearts and on our turntables. You know, it's it's so interesting because you look back on the life of rock stars generally, and they always have some sort of story to tell. I look at the rock stars of today, and I don't think they've got any stories. I mean, there's no way that that you can <laughs> ever replicate the what we knew as the David Bowies and the Rodriguez's and all of those epic guys. Because they, when we sat around not having any visuals, because in those days, I mean, I was 12 when Cold Fact came out, and it was banned because, of course, you can imagine the scandal. And I was in an Afrikaans school. So I was accused of um, being a prostitute because I listened to to Rodriguez and I had his picture in my pencil box. You know, the, the Cold Fact uh, record label was in my pencil box. Oh, the scandal, you can just imagine. So what school was it? I was what in Kimberley. I was in uh, Kimberley. I matriculated in 77. So you you can imagine this whole wow. story. Yeah. And my sister was older than me and she used to listen to Black Sabbath. And my folks always used to do the, this is devil. <laughs> you play it backwards. Remember all that stuff. 
So interestingly enough, we grew up in a time where we, we, when you went to a dance or whatever, it was all about playing those long playings or the singles or sitting in a circle. When I left school and moved to Kimberley, uh, to Cape Town, I remember sitting with all these long haired guys driving combis. And we used to sit around and listen to like Cheat and Chong on, on record. And we used to laugh. And then we'd listen to Rodriguez. And we'd all be imagining our own vision of this concert or these people that were that were singing. So we never had a we never had what they have today when you go to a concert and it's more about the 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 fire and the special effects and all those good things. It was about the singer and the band. It was what you could hear, not so much as what you could see. So his memory lives on from with us from a very, very young age. And and I'm sorry that that my children couldn't really appreciate him because they didn't know him like we knew him. And when he came to South Africa, we missed that his, his show, which was quite sad, and I can't remember why. But the guy that I was working for actually decided to take Rodriguez to London, and we were going to produce a show for him in London. And I had the privilege of flying with him to London, being with him at, in, in London and flying back with him because I was the producer, and um, which we really was just looking after him. And he was who an was awesome the guy, dude. Who, who was the guy you were working for? I was working for a guy by the name of Robin Bull from Champion Tours. And uh, he decided that we were going to do this. So we did this. I'm not sure if Rodriguez was already out here because I can't remember that part. I I just remember doing the invites to the people in London to come and see his show. And off we went. I had a wonderful time because him and I both hated flying. So we took Valoids together. <laughs> So we didn't have to worry about the flight. <laughs> so we, we didn't have long conversations. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he, you could never have a long conversation with him. But we, we took him to London as well. So he went a few times. Um, it was probably a later concert that you did the tour. We took took him going in '85. But um, this was in the '90s because I worked there at '92, '93. That kind of yeah, time period was when we, yeah. when we went over. And I'm not sure at this point if he flew out specially for me to fly to London with him or it was the other way around. I can't Probably. remember that part, you know, but I, well, I did enjoy that. You know, you know his, his daughter, Eva, when they came out on the first tour, she fell in love with, with his roadie. Oh, really? And stayed here and married him. And they lived in Nasna and they had a kid. So Rodriguez has a safe, well, had a South African grandchild. My goodness. Ethan. So, so he'd often come out and see Eva, and then from here, that's why he had such an even closer affinity to South Africa, because he's, he's, he's got three daughters, and one of them was here. Oh, that's amazing. That is just, yeah. that, again, it just connects him to South Africa as our very own rock star, because nobody else really yeah. was connected to us the way he was. Well, the, the, that, on that point, he was big in Australia. Now, he had even toured Australia before he toured here. And what happened is, is that when the late Malik, who made our film, Searching for Sugar Man, he doesn't mention that Rodriguez was big in Australia. And the Australians have been very snarly about that. They don't like that. They say that we deliberately left them out of the story. They could have made their own but, story. <laughs> correct. And, but, but the thing was that Malik's movie was about uh, Craig Bartholomew Stratum and myself looking for Going the to star. Find him. And, Absolutely. It, and it was pre it was pre-internet. It was right at the beginning of the internet. And if we had known that Rodriguez had toured Australia, we would have known that he wasn't dead. And that's a big part of it because we thought he was dead. 
So it wasn't part of us. We didn't know you toured Australia. Absolutely. He left it out of the movie deliberately as part of the correctly as part of the story. And the Australian still <laughs> about that. And, and, uh, but he did tour there. He, he was equally big there. So credit to them. But uh, it wasn't part of our story at all. I think one of the most amazing things about his music, though, was that you could sing every word. And do you know that, what am I, 63 now? And I left school when I was 17. So what is that, a difference of 50 years or whatever? But I can still sing every single of those, every one of those lyrics without looking at a piece of paper. So if I hear the tune, I could sing it. If I did karaoke, I swear if they brought Rodriguez out as a stage show, I'd win the prize of the, being the main person in the front. <laughs> because I could sing without looking at a piece of paper. <laughs> when we first brought him out and he walked on stage and started playing and the crowd sang every word. Every word. Song. I saw I that on the video. <laughs> Everything that we said was true. It was the most phenomenal thing. And I, I told him all about that. And he he was a bit skeptical because, you know, he's a bit of a down-to-earth kind of dude. But we were right. He, he was a, a rock larger. You know, he really was. So And I think it was he made it at a time when South Africa was going through that censorship period. You know, when the SABC yeah. had come out and we were banned from seeing anything except Afrikaans opera, Annalise Creel, <laughs> Benny Bookworm, and those are what we were exposed to. So when we kind of got this cold fact, like when my sister got this this, this uh, LP and it was cold fact, it was hidden because if my folks found out or if we were heard playing it, like I, when I went to school and I stuck it in my pencil box and I was I was accused of being a prostitute because I, I, I listened to Rodriguez. Interestingly enough, the teachers knew who he was. Now, there you go. How did they know who he was? <laughs> Unless they were listening themselves. <laughs> so you have to I'm kind not, of think I don't know that. I've done any teachers from Kimberley, but I, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and, and we used to, when we moved down to Cape Town, and we used to sit in these circles and listen to LPs because we didn't really have to. Well, we had TV, but there wasn't really anything for us to sit around and watch. Not even sport was no. big on TV in those days. In fact, sport was great to watch because there wasn't a TMO and a and 16 referees and 30 million referees and coaches and goodness knows what else. It was just a game. And I think that's the same as, as watching a concert with Rodriguez. It was him and a band. There was no fireworks yeah. and no planes going overhead and, and all that stuff that crowds a concert and takes away what you actually went to listen to. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the sad part about today's uh, watching some of today's shows. Even ABBA, I mean, remember ABBA? ABBA was also big in Australia. But there again, they just sang as them on a stage. They didn't have big fireworks and things on a stage. They just played. And I think well, that's... Well, you mentioned, earlier, you mentioned earlier that it's not the same with bands now, you know, and because now you can bring out an album, you can record it yourself in your house. You exactly. can put it on the internet yourself, you can put it on YouTube, you can, it, 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 it's, it's not like it used to be back then, it has to be damn good to yeah. get a t the attention it deserved. And now it's just too much stuff. I mean, there's still a lot of good music coming out. But back then, if someone heard a good album, they'd tell everybody and they'd pass the record and we'd record it onto cassette and it would, it would be like, um, it would become viral, where now it's not really the same thing. I no. think it's unfortunate. I think, 
I must admit, no. I used to always, when, whenever I remember um, those cassette tapes, and then if you wanted to really annoy my sister, we would pull the tape out of the out of the cassette, <laughs> and then she'd have to use a, a ballpoint pen to run it back up again. <laughs> yeah. But you could fix things in those days. I mean, you could fix yeah. the tape and just sell a tape, and it would just go over that bad spot and carry on. It's just so simple. Yeah, that's all Listen, we were, the, we were the baby boomers. We were the baby boomers, and I think we were the luckiest generation of all. Oh, we, we just, were. from born, born in the 50s, grew up in the 60s and the 70s, we had the best time. And I think now with the whole Rodriguez thing, people realize we were the lucky ones. Never mind oh, we Elvis and, and Cliff and that. You know, in South Africa, you even thought you were. It was a crap place to be, and it was horrible under apartheid. But we had Rodriguez, man. He was ours. Exactly. And we had something that nobody else had, you know. We had rabbit so, as well, yeah, remember? No. So we had Rodriguez, we had rabbit. I mean, rabbit was awesome. We followed them around the whole country. And I mean, I still play their music on SA Commuter Radio. I only play music pre-2000. So it's filled with Rodriguez, Black Sabbath, um, all the, 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 the songs and music that I liked and that the, those yeah. who I know liked. Um, that's what it's filled with. It's filled with Led Zeppelin and David Bowie and things that when you listen to it it takes you it transports you way back to when times was just so simple yeah well on that note today is van morrison's birthday i don't know if you're van oh, morrison no, i didn't fan, know that oh my goodness that would be so I'm, I'm a massive van morrison fan and today's his his, his lordship sir van morrison's birthday wow. and it's just van morrison the whole day it's just i just i just love that guy so and what does oh, sugar do? You have to tell us now what you do post post Rodriguez, because I'm curious about that. Um, look, we had this record shop. I, I'm from Johannesburg. We moved down to Cape Town. Yeah. I tried a couple of things, and then I landed up in this record shop. This guy had a record shop, and I rented his pavement and started selling CDs. And over 15 years, we became partners in Cape Town. We had a really nice shop. Oh, my word. But we needed to... But we needed it was called Mabu Vinyl. Mabu is a, an opening stance in Kung Fu, if you go like Mabu. So the guy was the guy who was my partner was Jacques Fosu and he was a real Cape Town hippie kind of dude into Kung Fu and meditation and stuff. And we had this really, really nice vinyl shop as vinyl came back. And when Malik Benjalul, the late Malik Benjalul who filmed our documentary, he came to Cape Town. We had no money, we had no crew. The crew was him and me and a woman with a camera. And that was it. There was none of these booms and- Absolutely, and, yeah. So we just said, show me Cape Town to come and Jeff Chapman speak. He said, this is cool, we'll film here. I mean, the whole opening scene is Chapman speak. You don't have to pay to go film there. So Absolutely. we shot a lot in, the, in this room where I'm sitting is my little man cave and it's a lot of stuff. But also we shot a lot in the, in the shop because the shop was just, just lent itself. It was just full of stuff, so we shot there. And when the movie came out, a lot of the people came to Cape Town. I mean, when we got a, a nomination for the Oscar, Craig, Bar excuse me, when we got a nomination for the Oscar, Craig Bartholomew Strader, my fellow detective and I, he was also living in Cape Town, and the city of Cape Town paid for our flights and accommodation in Los Angeles to go to the Oscars because they said the film, documentary searching for sugarman brought such credit and tourists to cape town because of how we thought we used the scenery which was pretty oh cool goodness. i didn't know you know so but we also shot a lot in the in the in, in the shop record shop and for years after that 
when it was still in the same location. We'd open the doors, there'd be people outside taking photographs, coming to the shop, taking... It became a real iconic tourist attraction because of the movie. Unfortunately, they didn't build a building over it, and the shop moved down into Long Street. But um, it, it spun off in so many wonderful ways. But I left the shop when it, it moved. And I've been doing other stuff since then, but there's now talk of uh, in London, on Broadway and in London, of possibly doing musical stage productions based on the story of Rodriguez, this whole story, because it lends itself to a theatrical production. And there's also possibly a feature film with, um, with actors, you know, um, they'll probably get like. Um, Brad Pitt to play me. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> what about George Clooney? Okay. Come on, you've got, to, you've got to lend yourself to George Clooney. You've got to be open to a few you know, options. I, I'll probably give him a couple of options. <laughs> yeah, there, there there there's a lot of talk about that, so I'm following up on that and seeing if we can make that work. But Jeez, um, I'll be behind you and, however I can help you because I think that is such a wonderful story. It gave us South Africans just, just watching it was just so heartwarming to know that we can do whatever we say we're going to do and whatever we want to do, we go and do. We don't whine. Um, we don't need, we don't need permission to do what we do. We, we do Correct. things because we have a heart. And I, I think that's what being a South African is all about. It's, it's having the heart to go and do what we really want to do. And you wanted to find Rodriguez and you did. I mean, part of your uh, journey was right. all about we're that. We're not just a sporting nation. I think it's so, we, we, we're not just into sport. We're actually into culture as well. And, I think this is so unique. It's made South Africa, people more aware of South Africa, which I, I like to think, you know. Oh, you born so and bred South African? It's, it's had a one. Oh, yeah. Johannesburg. Joburg. <laughs> yeah, I'm a yeah. Joburg chick. <laughs> I must yeah. say, I've never left. I, I've been down to Cape Town. I, I moved down for a couple of years, but I've come back. I moved to Durban for a year and I came back. And I, I moved to the UK and came back. So it's, I think Joburg's just in my blood, and here I am, and and I have wonderful opportunities of meeting people like yourself, uh, and hearing your story, and certainly thanking you for for taking the time out to talk to me, because that that I really find a, quite a privilege. Thank you, um, and I think certainly Rodriguez thanks you You're every day <laughs> for what you did yeah. for him and his family, because if it wasn't for you, he wouldn't have come out of where he was to get the rights that he was that he deserved. Well, I'm just, I was, I just feel very, very honored. You know, when you think about, I don't know how religious one you have to be, but when, when the fact that I was called sugar 20 years before Amazing. sugar man, 20 years before I landed up being one of the two guys involved in the, the, the resurrection, excuse the expression of Rodriguez, that freaks me out a little bit because it means there's other things at play here. And I don't want to go into that. Soulmates, come on! You've got to have a soulmate somewhere in your life. Very weird, and I I accept it, and I accept that, and I'm 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 very very grateful, and uh, I'm happy that the man when he passed away, sadly, like last week, two weeks ago, I think he passed away content and happy because his life really turned around a hundred percent. His daughters got the support and the money from him that they he always wanted to give them, and it. Death is never a happy ending to a story, but in Rodriguez's case, I really think that the story ended as best it could, where it started off pretty badly. You know what I mean? No, I do. And and I've done quite a lot of research since we first spoke because I wanted to cover the Rodriguez story from also my personal journey with him. 
because it was like I, him and I walked this journey together without even knowing one another. We that walked so our journey cool. together. <laughs> and I just think oh, he, having someone like you to tell your story where you're just as humble, I think, as he is, um, it's those humble people that make such a difference in our lives and we don't realize it until we meet you. And we realize how lucky we are to have people like you who who look out for others without looking for any gratification or any thought to their to their own what they wanted. Because I look at your story and I just think him with these two ob oaks who just decided to go find the man. I mean, out of out of nowhere, they decided, you know what, this is a good journey. And it reminds me there's an ad. I don't know if you watch TV much, but we watch MasterChef and and a few months ago, there was an advert of these guys who were watching a movie in a drive-in. I think it was a My Way or uh, 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 this woman insurance, first for woman insurance. And they were watching a, a drive-in off Cape Town. And they said, hey, dudes, why don't we go to Cape Town? The guy says, I think that's a brilliant idea. Let's go in reverse. And they reversed their car all the way down to Cape Town. I'm sure in, as, yeah. because it's an advert, it wasn't really, but... Anyway, you see them driving yeah. through the Karoo, looking backwards because they were driving in reverse. And they got to Cape Town, and you know there's that highway that ends in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of town, and they drove off it and landed on the other side. And then, of course, it says, uh, uh, that's why we insure women. And and I look at that, and I think, <laughs> that's so typically South African. We decide we're going to do I, something, and we do it. <laughs> that, is, that is spot on. That is such a good analogy, yeah. You know, and it's just you, well. you have this heart to do something and you think, that's a good idea, I'll do it. And everybody says to me as well, you're so brave or you, you know, you, you've got such courage. And I think, no, you have one life and this is it. So you have to, you have to do what your heart tells you to do and go do it. As long as you don't harm someone else in the doing of what you want to do and you make others happy, I think it's, you can do whatever you want to do. And that's, and you're a prime example of that. Watching at the Oscars was amazing. That was like so cool because here is a South African who we all got to know and he's at the Oscars. That was really cool. I bet that was a, an amazing know, experience and, for you. And, and I'll, I'll tell you one very quick story about the Oscars. It was, I mean, we didn't get a statue because I didn't know that I should be given a, a anyway, I, 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 I didn't win a, a, an Oscar myself. I don't have my own, which was fine. But because we won some Oscars, we could go to the the Vanity Fair after party, afterwards, yeah. Which is in oh my word, it's oh like walking word. into Hollywood heaven. I just wow. knew every single. Yeah, hi Robert De Niro, hi Amy Adams. <laughs> I just... It was it was just and I was standing at a table out of my depth with these two statues on the table, and across the table was a guy I didn't recognize. He was an elderly American, gray crew cut, Medal of Honor. And I got introduced to him. It was Buzz Aldrin. No. Wow. Buzz Aldrin. And I Jeez. thought, I said to myself, I said, self, why are you meeting Buzz Aldrin? Jeez. What is the relevance of meeting Buzz Aldrin? And I knew what it was. It came to me. Buzz Aldrin went to the moon. Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon. Buzz Aldrin came home. Buzz Aldrin is not going back to the moon, but for one hour he walked on the moon. And for me, being at the Oscars was walking on the moon. moon and I knew I'm not going back there. I can't do this again. There's no other story like this. Go home to your wife. Go home to your kids. Be grateful this has happened and be content. And that's carried me. The Oscars wow. was, was, was 2013. That's Gee, 10 yeah. years ago. And I've never, ever felt anything but absolute contentment and gratitude for what happened. That that was the, that from meeting Buzz Aldrin. 
And I noticed for you as well, you said that uh, Rodriguez didn't attend with you because he didn't want to take the credit or something similar. That was, that was kind of the story that was put out. Rodriguez, you know what he's like. He likes he's quite shy home. as well, yeah. His, quite shy. He likes his bottle of wine and uh, his, his quiet life. And um, so, yeah, um, he, he, didn't, he chose not to come. But um, that's that, as Malik said in his acceptance speech, that tells you everything you want to know about, about the man. The man, yeah. you know, he's, uh, the man behind the music. Unfortunately, Malik committed suicide. I don't know if you know Malik, the director of the film, committed suicide. Yeah, it was a shocker. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know what happened. He had a brief bout of depression, and I just also wish he had been around to see. I got a knock on my door one day here in the, in Aranyazov, and I opened the door. Two Chinese young teenagers standing on my door in a van from China to Cape Town, across Asia, through Europe. Wow. In, in a combi, because they saw this movie and they went, we want, like you talk about the guys driving backwards from, yeah. from Joe to Cape Town. Wow. These guys drove from China wow. to Cape Town to come and say hello and to see Marvel Vinyl. That's how far the movie spread. And that's an absolutely true story. I'll show you a picture of it. That's, that's awesome. That, it's crazy. It's just, and, and as I said, two weeks ago in Rodriguez Pass, the volume of messages, because we run the only Rodriguez website, which is called, well, there are a few now, Sugarman.org. Sugarman.org, We yeah. started, started many years ago. There are, there are a few now, but with due respect, that we got a, a head start on all of them. And we have a web board, and the messages just started pouring, pouring in. The media, I spoke to, oh, my word, BBC, New York Times. I, 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 I'm going to sound like I'm bragging, and I don't want to do that, but I was in awe of the, how many top media companies were on it immediately. They knew who he was. They knew what a big story it was. This really is it became a worldwide story. And I'll tell you this, when Malik first came to meet me from, from Sweden, and he, I brought him to my house, and he said to me, Sugar, that's the best story I've ever heard, but if this music isn't that good, if Cold Fact isn't that good, this isn't such a good story. And I played him Cold Fact, and he went, that's one of the best albums <laughs> I've ever heard, and that's why it's about the music. Whatever good the story is, it's about the music, and people hear it now, and they love it. And that's what this is about. It's When you bring it down, it's about a record. And it's, it's quite amazing because it's like it shows you how the universe reacts. I mean, Derek Watts was one of our biggest, um, most well-known, um, wonderful men in the media industry. And between him yeah. and Rodriguez, they passed away within days of each other. And it's quite yeah. interesting because there's some connection there because there's the South African media and then there's Rodriguez. And there they went to heaven I together. I, I actually you knew know? Derek Watts because in, Job in Joburg I used to have a jewellery factory and I actually made his engagement in wedding bands when he got engaged to oh his, the woman he was still married to. But I don't know if you know, but Rodriguez, when he passed away, Clarence Event, the guy in the movie who's a bit of a, a bit of a totsy, who zipped, who stole yeah. all the money from Rodriguez? He died two days after Rodriguez. Wow! So someone said, "Yeah, Rodriguez picked him up and dropped him in the in the hot place down <laughs> south." <laughs> he most certainly did. While they walked totally yeah. different parts. Oh my ah, word! You know what? In, in in the end, it it all it all pans out. I think Rodriguez. I, I don't know, but I like to think Rodriguez passed away 
a content and happy man after what he had been through and where he landed up. And I, I don't really like to say that because I don't know. But from his daughters, I think that's really how they all felt. And his legacy horrible... lives on, huh? I can't imagine Justin Bieber living past the age that um, that we we, <laughs> we exactly. <laughs> I'm just so happy that we we have all these amazing people that you and I knew uh, on vinyl, yeah. and we could just see them as part of the, the ongoing lives that we have stories to tell our children when we play the vinyl for them. And they first of all ask, "What's a vinyl?" I mean, the other day my sister and I were at a market and we were selling. My parents have both passed on. And we had this projector, you know, the reel-to-reel. And because we yeah. both have had to downsize a fair amount into different homes, um, I'm living uh, in, a, in a much smaller house and so is my, my sister because the kids have all left home and they're all overseas and whatever. And, of course, we had to sell some of them. And this was a projector. And you should see how many kids came past and said, what is that? Like, And you could see these parents <laughs> saying, well, when we were growing up, there was a reel-to-reel film. <laughs> so it was Those little ones, like the home movies. <laughs> the home movies, you know, oh, with the reel-to-reel, wow. where you had the big reel on the one side and the big reel on the other side. And we used to watch Tom and yeah. Jerry. And those you could watch backwards. Don't you remember you could yeah. watch those backwards? You can't watch today's <laughs> DVDs backwards. I mean, uh, the Three Stooges were hilarious backwards. <laughs> yeah, I know. See how much We how were very we fortunate there. <laughs> oh, I know. Stephen, it's been oh. such a pleasure. Or shall I call you sugar? Um, uh, I'm it's, sugar. I'm it's, sugar, really. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure getting to know you. Um, and Same and hearing the story you. about Rodriguez. And, and I'm glad that you were part of his life. And I think he was glad too. And I must say, we'll miss him. But he left a legacy that will live on forever. Thanks to vinyl yeah. and, and, um, and people such as yourselves. Because Netflix is here with your movie. And I, I, I really want everyone to watch it. Because it really does tell a story of South Africans with heart and a man who needed to be found. Correct. And anybody yeah. who wants no. to find them, go to www.sugar, what is it, uh, sugarman.org. O-R-G, O-R-G, yeah, correct. I knew I had that right. It was sugarman.org. And there's so much there that you can find about Rodriguez. It was a wonderful trip for me to go and have a look at his story and read up all about him and things I didn't know about him. And the best part was when I went to find him on Wikipedia to see if there was anything that I could use, there was the back of cold fact and all the lyrics you could possibly want. So if you don't know the, 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 the words, guess what? They are there, and we're publishing them. <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> Thanks once again. I really appreciate it. Uh, you with Thanks, Preston. Lee, thank you. And such a pleasure. Just be in touch. Let me know how it goes. If you need anything more, just however I can help until you're happy with what you've got. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I'm Janine Preston of right. Life is a Beach on SA Commuter Radio and TV. It's a hassle, it's an educated guess. Well, don't worry about it. Too much stress. That is the man known simply as Rodriguez. At the age of 70, he is soaring on a late-life burst of fame. For decades, Rodriguez lived quietly, out of the limelight, away from music. Thing is, all that time, he had plenty of fans. He just didn't know it. So when some of them decided to track him down, a remarkable story began to unfold. The CBC's Ioana Romiliotis caught up with Rodriguez for an exclusive Canadian television interview. He has trouble walking. His vision is fading. 
but to a rock icon who didn't know it. We are amazed about your life. Resurrection can never come too late. We had all these theories about what had happened to him. We had heard the, you know, the stories that he had died and all that. And we, but when we found out that he was still alive, it was great. I mean, yeah, it's Mike. To Mike. Well, I feel like you're Cinderella sometimes. Sugar man, won't you hurry? The story of Sisto Rodriguez is nothing short of a rock and roll fairy tale. A brilliant songwriter and singer from Detroit who barely sold a record, but who became a musical legend anyway. Only he never knew it. You're the answer that makes my questions disappear. The story begins in the gritty streets of Detroit in the late 60s. When producers stumbled on Rodriguez playing in smoky bars, they were convinced they had found the next Bob Dylan. Sugar man, sugar man, but despite the critical acclaim, record sales were a flop. I was too disappointed to be disappointed, so to speak, now that, you know, but uh, I had a lot of uh, aspirations for that. and. Uh, and so did a lot of people around me. Rodriguez disappeared, but while he faded away, he had no idea his political poetry was becoming a phenomenon on the other side of the world. Bootleg copies of his first album, Cold Fat, made it to South Africa, where it became not only a must-have record, but the unofficial soundtrack to youth protests against apartheid. Politicians using, people they're abusing. For me, what it was, was, was growing up in that authoritarian, dictatorial society. Ian Abramovich was among those young white liberals who, like thousands, found inspiration in Rodriguez's anti-establishment lyrics. We would listen to music and there was this guy that was, uh, had written these lyrics and was singing these songs about all kinds of subjects that were taboo, you know, sort of uh, pushing back against authority, drug, sex. Uh, all about the working class, and, and, and I think that struck a chord. How many times you had sex Officials censored the lyrics, even scratching out the more provocative ones to make sure radio stations wouldn't play them. But in homes, Rodriguez's mystique and music endured, partly because no one knew where he was actually from, or if he was even alive. Do you know who be next? Rumors had swirled for years that Rodriguez had dramatically killed himself on stage in the 70s. It wasn't until nearly 30 years later, when two South African fans began to look for clues in his lyrics, that they found a trail to Detroit and found Rodriguez. Still alive, still living in the same modest house with a wood-burning stove, and after all those years, still working as a manual laborer. Was it supposed to happen this way or whatever, you know, I don't know, you know, it's, but uh, are things predestined to happen, you know, it's all those questions that occur to me sometimes, you know, but I've been, uh, there's also an element of luck involved in this. I'm very fortunate to have met these people. That remarkable search led to an extraordinary homecoming. Those people, those fans, brought Rodriguez back to South Africa to perform in the late 90s. Yeah, we're the entourage here. <laughs> Reagan is one of Rodriguez's three daughters. She went back with him. We were more expecting a smaller venue and um, hoping that there would be enough people there to fill up the room. And it wasn't um, wasn't the case. It was definitely we were overwhelmed by the by what we saw when we got there. 
what they got were a series of sold-out concerts, tens of thousands of fans every night. Fans Rodriguez never knew he had. Thanks for keeping me alive. What was that like for you? Oh, geez, it was... Uh, and, um, after a while, it's just so awesome that you just go with it. I describe it as, as like a, a rainstorm of applause, and it's just like you, it's caught in that kind of pattern of, of uh, emotion and, and noise. This is all too strange to be true. The recently released documentary that tracked the incredible journey opened at Sundance and is an Oscar contender. If it's to be, it's up to me. It's just an adage that's been helpful. It's gone viral, and it's why, yet again, at 70 years old, Rodriguez is enjoying another rise from the ashes. Hello. Can I shake your hand? I love to. What's your name? Scott. Hi, Scott. How does it feel when people come up to you on the street like that? Oh, I'm happy to meet them. There are a lot of smiley faces. And <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rodriguez. He's been on Letterman. Invitations to perform are coming from all over Europe, South Korea, and Taiwan. Everybody's selling tickets, selling. Rodriguez is now on a sold-out North American tour that included two stops in Canada. To a lot of South Africans, it's like the second coming, almost. Because <laughs> we really did believe that he died. I think the guy's a, 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 he's in a league of his own. I mean, even the guy who produ produced his first album said, Bob Dylan, yeah, a few steps behind this guy. He was magic. He was just absolute magic. I don't know when, how often does a musician come along that's like a prophet? Now that he is a rock star and knows it, Rodriguez is philosophical about it all. I think it's all right that it happened at this late date, you know, and that it's never too early or too late, it seems to me. How much longer are you going to be doing this, you think? Well, I have an answer to that. I have a good answer for that. I'm here for the duration. After all this time, he says, it's all about the moment. It has been an honor, pleasure, and a privilege. However long, that moment lasts. Joanna Brumeliotis, CBC News, Toronto. Sugar man, won't you hurry? Cause I'm tired of these scenes. For a blue coin, won't you bring back? All those colors to my dreams Silver magic ships you carry Jumpers, Coke, Sweet Mary Jane Sugar Man met a false friend On a lonely, dusty road Lost my heart Yeah.
Oh. 